Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, motivational speaker, women's empowerment coach, full-time psychology student, mama four, and military spouse. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and real stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, today I'm here with Melissa. Melissa Snow is a certified life coach and author of the book, 10 Secrets to Having the Love You Want. She loves helping women improve their relationships, starting with the relationship they have with themselves, the most important relationship you can have, side note. Uh, She can help you whether you're single and lonely, always dating the wrong guys, or in a relationship that's not working for you. She can help you because she's been there, around the corner, and back. And you sure have. That's why you're on the podcast today. So I want you, I want you to take us back, Melissa. Take us back to when you were in your late 20s and you were a teacher. What happened then? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the story of my life starts way before that, but um, everything kind of culminated in my rock bottom, as they say. Um, in 2008, I was 27. I was a high school English teacher and, um, I ended up having what I considered a relationship with a 17 year old student. Um, at the time I considered a relationship. Um, I have since learned and now consider it a sexual offense, which is what it was. Um, but at the time I was really just feeling crappy about myself. I didn't have great self-esteem. I didn't have a lot of value and self-worth. And all of that for me had for the longest time been tied up in other people. And so I really wasn't that picky about where I got that need met. You know, Mm -hmm. I was dating guys that were married. I was dating women. I was dating people older than me. I was dating people younger than me. Anyone really who would like tell me I was pretty and make me feel good about myself. I was That's like, how I got pregnant when I was 16. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he told me I was pretty and he thought he could fall in love with me. We didn't realize that condoms could break and ta-da, I have a 15 year old daughter now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing about my story is that like, there's not a lot of women who are going to listen to that and be like, yeah, I totally did that too. But there's so many women who are going to hear it and be able to relate to just the concept of doing something that in retrospect, you really wish you wouldn't have done. But at the time seemed like what you needed to do in order to feel better about yourself. Right. And some people that are listening might wonder, how did this get started, Melissa? Because, you know, we're all thinking, I mean, I have a 15 year old. I'm like, what if this was one of her teachers? You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I feel like as silly as it sounds in society, it's more acceptable for it to be a male student, a female teacher than a male teacher and a female student. Do you know what I mean? Cause there's like some, there's a little more judgment that goes on there, but still, um, as a mom of a teenager, I've got to wonder how, how would something like this happen? Yeah, that's a great question because before I was that teacher, I would see those teachers on the news and be like, what the fuck is wrong with that lady? (laughs) And uh, still sometimes I look back at myself at that time and I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with her? Right. (laughs) Um, Although, you know, I've had a lot of therapy, so I I know what the fuck was wrong with me. But, um, you know, for me, it started just he, he would flirt with me. Um, and I liked it. And so I did, you know, whatever I needed to do to keep his attention and to continue to 
get the attention that I was wanting from him. And it wasn't like I woke up one day and was like, you know what I'm going to do today? I am going to, you know, start something with one of my students. It happened gradually, but it also required me to already have some pretty shitty boundaries, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was a really good teacher for four years before this, but I also had you know, my boundary, my bad boundaries and my need to feel special and worthy and good were already contributing to things I was doing way before this. You know, I worked in a school that was pretty low income, high risk population. They had a lot of needs. Um, you know, I had a girl who in my first period class would come to class. She was pregnant and she was a senior and she would come to first period every day with a diet Mountain Dew and hot Cheetos. And that was her breakfast. (gasps) Oh no, I can't handle this. And so I would bring her breakfast every day, which at the time was like, I have such a good heart. And in retrospect was like, you have such bad boundaries, (laughs) you know, but all of the, all of the things that were going on with me were already manifesting themselves in other ways. So it's not like I was this totally healthy, happy person that then all of a sudden was like, Hmm, I'm going to throw my life down the drain. Right. I mean, and you know, we've all been there, maybe not in that aspect, but many of us, many people listening have been there where we made bad decisions because we just want to feel accepted and loved. And I mean, I could tell you in my early years, like my early twenties, I threw myself at any guy that would pay me any attention whatsoever. And I like racked up my numbers and sexual encounters and in, you know, relatively higher than most people, because if a guy batted their eyes at me, told me I was pretty, like made me feel like they liked me, guess what? I was sleeping with them because I thought that's what I needed to do. And I remember, uh, the last, the, the last time I was going through one of these streaks of sleeping around, I slept with an 18 year old and I was in my, like, it was before I met my husband. So I've been married to him. So it was like, I was like 23 and which doesn't seem like a big deal, but when you, I was like, Oh my God. Like I found out, I didn't even ask him how old he was. Cause he was at the bar. I assumed he was 21. And then like the next morning he tells me that I need to drop him off at his parents' house. I'm like, you're living with your parents. How old are you? 18. What the hell? <laughs> but it was one of those things. He paid me attention. He told me I was pretty. I didn't even think to like go, you know, the length of like, how old are you? Could yeah, I be in trouble in a- for sleeping with you? <laughs> yeah. And when we're in that place, we convince ourselves that that stuff doesn't matter anyway. You know, it was like, I knew he was 17. I knew what I was doing was wrong. And I chose to put those two thoughts out of my mind and just focus on what was allowing me to continue to do what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. and continue to tell myself this story of we're in love and people just don't understand. And this is meant to be. And, you know, I, I, I convinced myself that that was true at the time. And in retrospect, really, I was just taking advantage of the fact that he, he had his own need that he needed to get met. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I, I don't want to talk too much about him, but I, I did take advantage of the fact that he was not being overly supervised by his parents. And he too was looking for an adult figure to tell him that he was important and he was somebody special. And I used that to get my need to feel important and special met. Yeah. 
you know, with him and with any other relationship before that, it's like, it works until it doesn't anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? And then when they're gone, you're like, Oh, I guess I'm still a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. seriously. And then you're like, yes, I'm okay again. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I've been through that cycle too, where I'm like, Oh, okay. They love me. I mean, I was even like, before I met my husband now, I was in a very toxic, abusive relationship and still was like, felt like, oh, at least somebody loves me, right? Like, even though like, now I know I'm like, that's not love. Like, that is just a fucked up relationship. But you, when you're in that mind space, because, you know, you've been through whatever you have in your childhood, all of us are different. And, you know, we have these, this childhood programming that we grow up and we're like, what the fuck do I do with this? (laughs) you end up in situations that you are literally like, how did I get here? And what happened? Yes. Yes. And that's such a huge thing that I try to figure out with my clients, because when you're in it, you can't see it. Mm -hmm. When you're in it, the lies that your brain is telling you make complete sense and no one is going to convince you otherwise. Um, You know, I heard a story when I was going through my whole therapy and stuff about this guy who was chatting with someone he thought was a teenage girl online and they set up a meeting and he um, Googled the phone number that she had called him from and it came up as a police department and he went to the meeting anyway because he was so set and he was so convinced that this story he was telling himself was true that he didn't even let that bit of information in. And it's the same way with so many of my clients. They have these relationships like you're describing and like I've had that are just like up and down and complete drama. And now we're over here and now we're okay. And now we're not okay. And, and my worth and my value and whether or not I have a good day or a bad day is completely tied up in this man. And it makes complete sense to you when you're in it. Mm -hmm. And someone who's outside of it sees it in a totally different way. And it took me a long time, not a long time, but you would not have convinced me at that time had anyone else known what was going on, which they didn't, but had anyone else known what was going on and tried to talk to me about the reality of what I was doing, it it would have fallen on deaf ears because I was convinced because I wanted to be convinced, you know, and it wasn't until later that I was able to figure out what was really going on and then what to do about it. Yeah. But people did eventually find out. And yeah. this is where the ter- the story takes a even darker turn. So how long were you in a relationship with the 17 year old and how did it end? Um, it lasted for about a month. And then um, he was talking to one of his friends about it. And uh, one of the staff overheard and talked to him about it and reported it as well they should have. Um, and then the police showed up at my door and that was the end of life as I knew it. So I was, um, arrested and there was a search warrant executed on my house and I spent the night in jail and like, I'm not, I did not grow up this way. Right. (laughs) I, I am not, I mean, I belonged in jail for sure, but I did not fit in. (laughs) Yes. I've been to jail myself. I understand. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, it just, I remember laying in jail on the, on the cot. I was on the top bunk and the girl underneath was asleep. And I was sort of having this like out of body experience, like this really cannot be happening to me, but I just, 
it was at that moment that it really hit me like something has got to change. And it's unfortunate to get to the point that you're in a jail cell when you realize something's got to change. But I always tell people like this experience was the worst and the best thing that ever happened to me because it was, it was for sure the hardest thing that I've ever been through. And I hurt a lot of people and the impact of what I did still goes on today. And it's 11 years later, but also I am a completely different person now than I was then. I would say I grew up more in my first year of probation than I did in the 10 years before it. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to try to find your value and your own worth when you are slapped with this label that makes you like one of the most despised people in society. Like no one cares what you did. If you've got the word sex offender and a red dot over your house, people hate you. And so it was really a battle for me, number one, to figure out how to forgive myself. And number two, to figure out how to build up my worth and my value again with this label on me. And fortunately, um, you know, I feel like everything happens for a reason and the universe brought me some really amazing women, including my, the probation officer I had for the second half of my sentence and my therapist that I had. And they were really the ones who, um, they were really the ones who believed in me maybe sometimes more than I believed in myself and saw something in me that I couldn't see and really helped me to find my value as a person. Um, And I spent probably at least a year, I put myself on a zero contact with men. So I didn't talk to them. I didn't flirt with them at the gas station. I didn't text them, nothing besides my dad. And that was really hard too. Yeah. (laughs) How do you know you're pretty if there's no man to tell you that you're pretty? You know? You're right. You have to discover that on your own. (laughs) So I'm just like, I guess I'll try this. Um, You're pretty. (laughs) Uh, But it it was really good for me. And I got to this point that I'm at now where I'm in a relationship, but it doesn't feel the same as it used to, because I don't have that like desperate, needy, clingy, what will happen to me if this doesn't work out feeling. Um, and we've been together for seven years, so I'm pretty sure it's going to work out. But (laughs) (laughs) even if it doesn't, I know I'm going to be okay. And so when he gets mad about something or I'm upset about something or, you know, whatever happens, I no longer have that feeling of like, holy shit, I've got to fix this right now and make everything okay because if it's not okay, I'm going to die. Now I'm just like, okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. I I mean, it's my marriage and we've been married eight years. And the, I mean, some of the worst things you could possibly think of in a marriage that could tear a marriage apart have happened in our marriage. Right. And so, I mean, not, I mean, some, some, not all of the worst things, some of them, (laughs) um, let's get that straight. Um, and things that he seriously could have left me on, like, and I wouldn't have blamed him. And, um, by the time this comes out, most people will have heard about my new diagnosis by bipolar two. And, um, a lot of that now when we got the new diagnosis, we know that was 
the, the, the reason behind it all, but still not an excuse. Right. But it, it all could have like come crashing down. And I was always worried that the other shoe was going to drop until the last couple of years where I'm like, there's nothing more I could do to drive this man away at this point in time. He's just here and he loves me. And you know what? It's probably because I love myself just as much as he loves me too. Yes. Yes. And everything feels different when you get to that point. It's not just your relationship. It's your job. It's your friendships. It's your relationships with your family. Like once we figure out, and the big thing too, and I've heard, you know, you've had several podcast guests talking about this is like the story that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like before my offense, I had this story of I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I don't deserve all these great things that other people have. And in therapy and through coaching, I figured out how to let go of that story. But then I had this new story of, I did this horrible thing and mm-hmm. I'm therefore a horrible person. And then I had to figure out how to let go of that story too. And just live this story that we all should be and want to be living, which is that I am inherently good and enough and worthy and lovable just because I exist. Yes. Everything that I need to be is already here. And everything that makes me lovable and worthy and valuable is already in me. Whether I'm laying in bed because I'm having a depression day and I haven't showered in four days, I still have the same amount of worth. And if I'm all dressed up and I'm out at a bar and, you know, guys are flirting with me, I still have the same amount of worth. It doesn't matter. And it's not based on any of those external things anymore, which is incredibly, incredibly freeing. Yes. And it also puts you in a position where you get to make smarter, healthier decisions because you're making them from a place of abundance and self-love instead of from a place of fear and desperation. Yes. That scarcity mindset. Yes. Which is a very scary thing. Like, and, and actually now that I've overcome the scarcity mindset, when people are in it, it really repels me real hard. Like I have a hard time with it because I'm like, there is a way out, but you refuse to see it. And I don't know how to do it because I'm a helper and I don't know how to help you with this thing. And it really just repels me. Like, I don't even want to be around those people because I'm like, I can't, I'm afraid you're going to suck me into the suck at this point in time. Like, you know, that victim mentality just, it really is a repellent for many people unless they're also in a victim mentality and they're like, oh, let's all be in the suck together. Yeah. And it's really hard for the changed self to see people and to be around people that remind you of the old self. Like that can be very triggering. And it was for me for a while. And I had to work that out before I started coaching because every woman I work with is like the old me. Mm -hmm. And it's hard sometimes because you see your old self and it's scary and you so desperately don't want to go back there. Because for me, at least that version of me had no idea how unhappy she was. Oh yeah. Back at it. And now that I realize like I kind of thought other people felt like that all the time too. Like I thought that was just what life felt like. Mm-hmm. And you probably can relate too, especially like with your journey with medications and stuff. And I've gone through similar things. It's like, 
I thought everybody kind of felt like shit all the time. I don't even know what normal feels like until like now. I'm like, is this what normal feels like? Like, I didn't know that this is what it, it's supposed to feel like. Because for literally since I was a child, I have struggled with symptoms of depression. And when I became older, it manifested into more anxiety and come to find out that was just the bipolar two playing out in me. And now that I'm on these medications that I was so set against having because I had an adverse reaction to depression medications when I was in college the first time, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel irritable all the time or have depression symptoms on and off for days on end or weeks on, like that's not normal. Oh, I'm like, I'm on mood stabilizers now. And like she said, it's not make you happy. It's not make you sad. She's like, you're going to be at baseline. I'm like, oh, I don't have to work so hard to be at baseline anymore. This is freaking awesome. Yeah. And a lot of times I think you don't realize how shitty you feel until you feel better. Yes. And I, I had new business cards printed and my new ones say on the back, love doesn't have to be so hard because I think so many of us don't realize that. Like anytime I'm on a new call with a new client and I'm just like listening to their story and I'm like, it's so simple from the outside, but it looks so complicated and so hard to you on the inside because of all these stories and all of this stuff that you're telling yourself and all of these messages that you've gotten your whole life that you've decided are true. And that's what's clouding it for you and making it so hard for you to see how really simple it is. Absolutely. So people might be listening that would be like wondering like, how did you go from sex offender, which sex offender stays with you forever, right? Like you don't get rid of that. Um, I have, for me, it's until 2026. Okay. So it's, it's some, for some people, it is not forever. Right. Um, it depends on your offense. Okay. But you have the label of sex offender. How did you go from that probation, you know, having to literally have somebody check up on you all the time to make sure you're not doing anything wrong to where you are today? Because that is a hella jump. Yeah. <laughs> it, is. <laughs> it is. And for me, when I was on probation, there came a point where I realized you can either do this and put everything you have into it and get the most out of it that you can, or you can fight it the whole way and tell yourself it's stupid and it's dumb and you have nothing to learn from these people. But either way, your ass is going to be sitting here for eight years. So you might as well make the most of it. And I really did. I really, really tried to get everything that I could from my therapy and my probation because I didn't want to be miserable anymore. And I, I ended up getting off of probation two and a half years early um, because I'd completed everything that I needed to do. And um, I, had, I didn't get in trouble for anything ever. Um, and so towards the end of that, I, I was taking some classes um, at a local school around here in Colorado, and I took a class from a coach named Cheryl Bartlett, and it was called The Inner Beauty Journey. And her whole thing was just about how the event or the circumstance that happens to you is not what is causing you to suffer. It is the story that you are telling yourself over and over again about that event. 
And learning that is really what allowed me to free myself from this place of shame and embarrassment and, you know, just feeling like I was this horrible person. Um, because yes, absolutely. What I did was horrible and it was disgusting and it was wrong and it was illegal and it was immoral. I am not a horrible, disgusting, awful person just because what I did was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was kind of the beginning for me. Like I just loved everything that she was teaching me about how to change the stories in my mind in order to change my life. And so I started working with her and going to her classes and I just wanted to be around her all the time and learn everything that she had to say. And I wanted to be her when I grew up. And so I did, (laughs) I became her when I grew up. Um, So she ended up uh, at some point, she decided to start doing a life coach certification program. And I went through that with her and I learned everything that she had learned from people like Tony Robbins, who I would never, you know, be able to afford to train with myself. And um, I just really, really wanted to have something positive come from this negative experience. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of things positive that have come from it. I am, you know, I have two nieces and two nephews and I am a way better aunt, especially to the nieces than I ever would have been before this. You know, I have this new understanding of what it means to be in a position of trust and how much influence I have over over those little girls and how much everything that I do or say affects them. And I never would have had that kind of appreciation before. And the therapy that I went through and the things that I did changed my relationship with my family. They changed my friendships. I never would have been able to be in this relationship for Steve with Steve for as long as I have been. I feel like I would have dated him for like a day and he would have been like, you're a fucking train wreck. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Healthy people don't want to date unhealthy people. Healthy people get around unhealthy people and they're like, whoa, this is too much for me and goodbye. So, you know, there was a lot of positive that came out of it for me, but I wanted to really continue that for other women Mm -hmm. because I was so miserable for so long. And now I get to live this life that is so happy and I'm content and I feel good about myself all the time, regardless of the external circumstances. And I just want that so badly for other women. And that's why I have dedicated all of this time and money and effort to becoming the best life coach that I can be for these women, because I love getting to see them learn from what I've been through without them having to reach their own rock bottom because it really doesn't have to be that hard. Yes, I agree. And I think it's funny how you said that uh, Steve would have left you like after a day because I honestly, my theory and my husband like will argue with me until he's blue in the face. But my theory is if we didn't get married so quickly, that man would have cut like loose. Oh, like, like literally within like six months, he would have been gone. But we, we got very married very quickly because he, he's a person that always knew what he wanted. He knew he wanted to get married. He wanted to have kids and he met me and he was like, this is the one for me. I'm telling you, if we hadn't gotten married so quick, that man would have left long before that. But he has this like 
moral compass about like being married and he's like divorce is the last you know the last stand like you have to try everything before you get a divorce where i'm from like a divorce family and i'm like oh no actually if I just, you know shit's too bad i'm gonna cut loose um but he's from like his parents are still married so he has this very like really strict thoughts about divorce like not that he's against it but that he you know it has to be the very final thing like he's tried everything and exhausted everything and I was like you know what dude you would have left me like six months in had you not married me so quickly you you dug your own grave <laughs> like, <laughs> but now we've been married eight years and of course I've gone uh, leaps and downs on my personal journey but I just thought it was really funny that you said that about Steve because I'm like yeah my husband would have you're lucky you locked him in when you did. Right. I was a, I was definitely a train wreck when, when we first met. Like, I had just got out of a toxic relationship, like, for years. Like, I was, it wasn't until, um, and people have heard this on the podcast, it wasn't until my suicide attempt in 2013 that I actually started to work on myself and change you know, and actually heal. And then now, like, I'm, I look back at that woman, I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with you? <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, but we can't, my point is we can't go back and change that. We can't change our past. And that's why people listening, I want them to know, like, I have some shady things in my past that I don't share openly, but I have the, I have the right not to share openly because I don't have like a criminal record that follows me around because of those things. But I mean, I do because some of us have been through some shit and we've done some shit we're not proud of, but it's really important that we move forward and continue to be better ourselves. So with your personal development journey, what have you found has been the most helpful to you to become the person you are today and release the things that have happened in your past and not beat yourself up every day over it? That's a great question. I'm good at this. <laughs> you are. Um, I would say, gosh, there's so much. I think probably the biggest thing for me has just been the work that I've done on my mindset. And the reality is that if you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will control you. Mm -hmm. And Every feeling that you are feeling is being caused by a thought that you are having. And every action that you are taking in your life is being caused by a feeling which is being caused by a thought. And so I went through so much of my life thinking that I was powerless over so much. I was powerless over my emotions. I was powerless over my um, circumstances. I was powerless over all of these guys that I was attracting who were not good for me. And why do I always attract the wrong guys? And why can't I get a relationship to work? And poor me, poor me, this is so hard. And the universe just has it out for me because there's nothing I can do about it. And once I started to do the work on my mindset, I realized how much power I had over my own thoughts and feelings. That was really a major game changer for me. And, you know, it's still, it's still a journey, like listening to you talk about, you know, you use the word journey a lot and it is, it's definitely not a destination. No, no. <laughs> because 
I am still on the journey and it is still a battle for me some days. And those old self thoughts of you're not good enough. And why would you think that you could do this? And, you know, even preparing for this podcast, like, you know, I was kind of nervous to talk to you and put my story out there like this. Um, but I wrote in big letters at the top of my screen, women need to hear your story. Yes. And, And they do. And I wrote that because I needed that little voice that's like, why are you doing this? This is going to be horrible. This is going to be a terrible idea. Why would you think that anybody could benefit from hearing what you have to say? Like I needed that voice to shut up Mm -hmm. and I needed the voice that said women need to hear your story to be louder. And in the mindset work that I've done, I've realized that I have control over which voice is louder. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like that old story about which wolf lives, the one that you feed. Yeah. I, I can't tell you because I'll mess it all up, but no. you know what I mean. Yeah. My sister actually, and I'll link it up in the show notes. My sister, my sister actually has a tattoo that says something like the one that you feed or something like that is a reminder for her. That that's, that's the wolf that's going to, you know, be present is the one that you feed. Yeah. And our minds do it to us. Like our minds don't like to be wrong. And so Once we decide a thought like I'm worthless, our ego spends all of its time looking for evidence that supports this Mm -hmm. idea that we've decided to believe that we're worthless. And so we're constantly feeding that wolf. And until we make a conscious effort to decide, you know, I'm going to start looking for evidence that I have worth. And once you start looking for it, then you find that everywhere too. But it is a conscious decision for a while to force yourself to feed that other wolf because your brain is used to, and your brain is comfortable feeding the worthless wolf. <laughs> yes. Cause it wants us to be right. And if we think we're worthless and we're trash and we aren't worthy of anybody, then guess what? Our brain's like, Oh, okay. That's what we're thinking. Let, let me prove to you that that's right. I mean, our brain does not like really differentiate from like negative and positive here. We have to train it to look out for those things and say, you know what? I'm going to look at the situation I'm in and find all the positive things that are in this situation, right? Like, um, I know we have a lot of military spouses who listen to the podcast. And one of the things I always say is like, when our husbands are on deployment, it sucks. It sucks really bad. Everything falls apart. It's awful. But if we look at we get the opportunity to miss our spouses that a lot of people don't get that opportunity where you actually understand that you actually miss your spouse. We have that opportunity, which seems kind of counterintuitive, but I mean, it's a great thing when they come home and you're able to hug them and you're like, I really missed you because I actually have not seen you in six months. (laughs) You know, not everybody has that opportunity, but finding those little things. I always say like the silver lining or the light at the end of the tunnel or like the lesson that's there that we can focus on instead of focusing on all the shit show that's going down. Yeah, absolutely. And my dad used to always tell me when I was going through all of this, I mean, probation, sex offender probation is not like regular probation. Like I thought it was just going to be, okay, don't do anything bad and don't do drugs and don't get arrested again and come see me in six months. (laughs) No. No, no. And it was fucking miserable. Like, I don't have any better way to put it. And my dad used to always say, like, I don't know how you have such a good attitude about this. I don't know how you're always so happy and so positive and have such a good attitude about this. And I'm like, dad, this is going to be 
my reality, whether I have a great attitude about it or a shitty one. Mm -hmm. So I might as well have a good one. Like I'm doing it either way. So I can either do it and be happy or do it and be mad. But either way, I'm doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Like what you're talking about being a military spouse. It's like, you're in it until you decide. And unless you decide not to be in it, you're in it. Yeah. So you might as well do it looking for the positives than do it and spend your whole time focusing on what's negative and what sucks about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you, you saw that because, you know, there are some people that might be going through some stuff or have been through some stuff. But let's, it's highly unlikely there's another person listening that has gone through what you've gone through. Like, I, I highly doubt that we have another sex offender listening to the podcast who has been through, you know, like, who has been through your exact situation. So that is, that is a rock bottom moment. And to see that you have used that as a springboard, you didn't let it completely suck you down and keep you there. And that you've done all this work and I love that you keep mentioning therapy because I am such a huge proponent of therapy. I mean, I'm going to school to be a therapist. <laughs> like, I no. think it's an amazing thing. Oh, yeah. I am going to school to get my PhD in psychology. Um, so, but yeah, so I'm a big proponent of that. And I think a lot of people overlook that. They're like, I'm just going to jump straight into life coaching. I'm like, there are some steps between where you are and life coaching. <laughs> and therapy might be those steps in between. Yeah. And life coaching is really different than therapy. Like yes. I couldn't help you with your bipolar. I'm not equipped to help you with that. Right. And it's, it's so different and there's so much value in both things. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing about being a coach is like what I was saying before is like your situation looks so different to somebody on the outside. Mm -hmm. And a coach is a lot more likely to call you on your shit and be like, let's really look at that thought. And is that really true? you know, and where is that coming from and how is that thought serving you? Mm -hmm. And as opposed to a therapist who is more like there to listen to the thought and, you know, allow you to believe what you're going to believe until it's time to work towards something else. And there's absolutely a benefit to both. Um, and my therapist, you know, like I said, I was really, really fortunate that the universe brought me great people because they, they weren't all great out there. Um, but mine really were invested in me and really saw something in me and helped me to realize, like, I always thought that the things that were different about me were the things that were wrong about me. Like, mm -hmm. I've always been a little weird. Like, even in, even in kindergarten, I can remember being in kindergarten and being like, am I so much weirder than everybody else? <laughs> And my whole life, I thought that was what made me unlovable. That was what made me not good enough and worthless were these things about me that were different and unique and kind of weird. And the therapists that I had were really the ones who helped me to realize like, those aren't your downfalls. Those mm -hmm. are the amazing parts of you. Like those are what make you so great and special and worthy and lovable. And they were like, I just can't say enough about those women and how much no. they my probation officer too, because, you know, the first half of my sentence, I had a probation officer who I think her, her sole mission in life was just to make all of us worthless and make sure that we knew every day what awful people we are. 
And then the last half, I was with someone else who really was invested in helping me to live my best life. And she really acted more like a coach. Like she was always the first one to call me out on my shit, but she always did it in a way that I knew that she wasn't just doing it to be an asshole. I knew she was doing it because she wanted me to be better and to have a better life. And I love being able to be that for other women now because we need it. We all do. Yeah, definitely. And I love that she did that for you because my thought process is what is tearing you guys down and making you feel like you're worthless going to do, it's not going to help matters. It's not going to help society. Like it's just going to make you continue with the really shitty cycle of bad behavior that you had originally. Like you need to get out of that. And that's, isn't that the key of a program like that is for you to get out of that? And I think some people forget all about that and they are doing it for the wrong reasons. And the reason I decided to become a therapist is because I actually have been a coach for several years and helped women, but they kept having these deeper rooted problems that I'm like, I'm not equipped to help you with that. But they kept coming up over and over and over again. I'm like, the universe is telling me I need to do something different. Um, So now I'm studying psychology. I'm like, this is where it's at. Like, I want to know what the childhood programming and trauma does to people and how that made them who they are and how I can help them heal that. Like that is like exciting and pumps me up. So I think I love that you said that there is a room for therapy and coaching and they do separate things, but they're both super helpful and both have helped me in my life. I know that like, both have helped dramatically change my life and I'm still in therapy and I may be for the rest of my life now that this whole bipolar thing is here. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. It's okay. Like that's acceptable. Therapists yeah. have therapists too. It's all right. Um, but I, I love that you said that. So people know like both are very valuable and something that people should give a shot because I feel like life coaching has become such a like mainstream. Everybody's a coach, you know, like, and people don't take it seriously, but if you find the right coach, it can be really helpful. So as we wrap up the podcast today, Melissa, what is something that you would like to leave the audience with to help, help bring everything that we've talked about together? You know, probably two things. I would say the first thing that I would want everyone listening to this podcast to know is that you are enough just right now as you are and your worth and your lovableness and your value is never ever tied to another person it's never tied to your weight it's never tied to how cute you think you are it's never tied to what your parents think about you it's never tied to whether you go to church every Sunday or not, like none of that matters. It doesn't matter if you're in the greatest relationship you've ever had in your life. It doesn't matter if you just got dumped yesterday. It doesn't matter if you're dating a huge asshole. You are enough right now as you are. And the other thing I think that I would want everyone listening to know is that it's never too late to change how your story ends. And I'm thinking that listening to you and your journey and being a coach and deciding to pursue psychology and for me, you know, and my journey and where I decided to go with that, it's like, I could have let that experience and that decision I made be the end of my story. Mm -hmm. And I could have owned that identity and lived that out 
for the remainder of a very sad life. Mm -hmm. But I've chosen a different ending for my story. And I have, um, I have this little thing behind me that says, uh, no matter what your past is, you always have a spotless future. And it's a hundred percent true. It's never too late to change yourself, to change your circumstances or to change how your story ends. And I feel like my story is so important to people because there was a point in that where I thought I am never going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I am never going to find somebody who wants to hire me. I'm never going to find a place to live. I'm certainly never going to find somebody who wants to date me or marry me. Like I'm never going to be okay again. And here I am. I'm not only okay, but I'm living a life that's better than any life I ever imagined I would be living. And I'm always telling my clients, and it says it, I think like 10 times on my website, like if I can do it, you can too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. Melissa, this has been fantastic. I hope people listening, you know, see that you went from this moment where you could have literally went to the dark side and been like, I give up. I'm just gonna, you know, live as like a train wreck for the rest of my life because this is what it is. And I'm just going to own it and not in the way you're owning it now, like own it as in you made it part of you and who you are. But now you've gone from that to like, you know what? I did that. It happened. The end. I closed that chapter in the book and I'm creating a whole better chapter for myself right now. And I, I love that. And I, I want to thank you for your bravery of coming on and sharing this side of your story. Cause I know it can't be easy to, you know, come out to strangers and be like, this is what happened. But I hope people will take from you and see that there is hope no matter what your past has held, that you can go forward and create an even better future for yourself. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.